Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other, and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas will get such a f***ing shit shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f***ing houses for f***ing years. So what a start to the Sunday game last night, lads. Did you watch the Sunday game? I watched the Sunday game. So and, uh, I, I'm not a great follower. I, I saw the football highlights. <laughs> it was fantastic start. It started off with RT staffers, some Sunday game uh, employees telling us how great the Sunday game has been <laughs> down through the years and currently. Like, I could really yeah. fell off my seat and say, what is going on here? Your, your tweet backfired. I wasn't planning on watching it. And then I saw you tweeting, giving out about <laughs> the intros. I thought, I better go watch it now. <laughs> Oh God, it was just weird. There was no self-awareness there at all. Imagine you're all, like, doing an intro of telling everybody how great your job, <laughs> a great jo- a job you're doing. Anyways, that was it. Having said that, the football highlights were excellent because they were cri- um, critical of that. You couldn't fault the show outside of that. The, they showed lo- a full hour of football and showed highlights from every single game. Um, some of the reports were better than others. I thought the last fella, I hadn't heard him before, the loud Wexford one, he was like Father Stone. But the actual content of what he was saying was really good. Yeah. So it was a weird one. I'm actually looking forward to hearing more from, from this fella. Because <laughs> he gave a good kind of uh, summary of the actual game, you know. But like, I mean, they did. They showed good highlights. And if you got an hour of football like that, see the problem what the thing last night it was good highlights because they didn't focus too much on any game so say if there's a big game Mayo and Kerry that will take up the 25 minutes and then all the other gets the shit at the end whereas all the games got kind of equal footing last night and I think a lot of people prefer most of the games getting equal footing like that well, I certainly do anyway. I like to just see the the action from the games because if you've been at a game yourself, you you 
sometimes you'd like to hear a bit of analysis on it from a different opinion on it but most of the time you just want to see action again from the game you know and, and to see the highlights and some of the good scores from a lot of the games like it, it's interesting sometimes you see um, a highlight reel and then they'll show an exceptional point in the analysis that they didn't even show in the highlights and yeah. you're saying lads like would you not just show you know the majority of the scores here you know it, it often happened over the years where you'd have played in a game and you'd have thought about something that was a brilliant piece of play or a brilliant score in a match and then it wasn't shown in the highlights now look at that's partly irrelevant but it just shows yeah. sometimes it's a, it's a very difficult task yeah. to put these things together but I my personal preference is more more of the action on display and less talk. Yeah, and especially with the, going back to to Tomas O'Shea and Joe Brawley about games they haven't seen and them having the bullshit, they're still doing that, which I hate. Like, I mean, I've, I said it to Declan Bennett here when I had him in here. I says, just do in the highlights, have a pundit, say a Mead Offaly, have Keane or Anthony Miles or someone down on the pitch afterwards with the reporter, give a quick brief summary, two minutes to camera on where the game was won and lost, the big kind of talking points, and that's contained in the package. Then you don't need Tomas O'Shea and Joe Brody trying to bullshit yeah. about a game that it's it, it service. Well, it's not. It, I, yeah. That's not a critique of the two lads. No, because like, no. Like, I'd be the same. It's You'd impossible just be just to watch that amount of games in a, in a given day, really. Yeah, yeah. Especially when Tyrone and Derry was probably the focus, and that was probably the only one they would have seen. You know, but like I mean, Limerick and Tipperary. This was the big one. Like I mean, Division Four teams acquitted themselves really well. Um, there's no doubt about that. Limerick being the big one. Liam Cairns was very honest in his assessment after the game I thought like I mean he said you know they were well beaten and they were beaten fairly and squarely and made sure to add in that they had some great high points you know that's just normal manager talk making sure he's not just completely going down down on himself we've had loads of uh, loads of uh, high points um, while I've been here but I thought Billy Lee was interesting that he was on Liam Cairns' backroom team when they did really well at uh, Limerick, which adds that bit of extra spice into the game, which I hadn't been really... I didn't put Billy Lee into that backroom team at all. But anyways, um, and Billy Lee's a, an interesting enough character, so he is. Like, I mean, he was talking about his backroom team. So it's all... Uh, it's full from full of people from Limerick. So they had Paddy Kassan last year, and Paddy Kassan seems to be doing the rounds because he was with Claire and then he was with Limerick last year and then he jumped ship to Tipperary so Billy Lee was like listen we're going all Limerick he said there's uh, we have a tendency to go looking for outside people but we have people in Limerick that are every bit as good as those uh, who as those who people think are better outside the county and I'm, I, there's an obsession about this we've talked about this on the show before a coach from another county is better than coaches in your county or a, a, a physical trainer is better than the physical trainer and they're not because in the other county they're thinking the exact same thing about the fellas in your county especially physical trainers there's very little between all of them like I mean obviously and then you have managers from another county all of a sudden these lads suddenly have a mystique about them and they're better they're not you know like I mean you, I think the first port of call should be an appointment within your own county number one it's much cheaper number two to have a, a, a massive interest in how the club game is run you know how they they basically care about the county you know what I mean so like I mean I thought that was a good one they have Brian Begley in as their as their coach who obviously um, he, he was a dual player back when Limerick were really strong yeah well it's an interesting point because um Oftentimes it's just a, a lack of self-esteem really from, from people and they, they're, they're always looking externally to see, oh, there must be something better. And Look, there are occasions where, you know, there is maybe a, a specialist coach or somebody who's a, a particular expert in a field that can add something to it. But I would always be in favour of going in and sourcing that expertise 
in the short term and upskilling internally within the county and, and bringing people on in that way rather than appointing somebody to a role in a county and then they, they jump ship again to another. You know, there's there's a lot of coaches have moved to a number of different counties and I'm sure they're excellent, but I don't see how that is of a, of a long-term benefit to the county itself because it's not sustainable, you know, probably paying out big money to people when really a, a short stint of time with somebody coming doing a bit of coaching and the coaches that are there can pick up on a lot of the stuff and then start to implement it themselves. Yeah, no, I definitely think so. And he's one of the few managers that, at the start of the year that was on my wavelength about the new rules, Billy, was just like, here, listen, this is what we have, we're going to play within them. So he wasn't spitting the dummy. I remember thinking at the time, we're going to get Billy on the show. I didn't get him on today because there's probably too much to talk about. We'll get him on again before the Munster semi-final. Yeah, that's what Joaquin's saying as well, though. <coughs> Sorry, it's similar to clubs when you bring an outside club manager like it's not sustainable for the long term because the outside club manager knows he's going to be there for two or three years and probably hoping to get a, a better job so he doesn't care about the development that's going on from under sixes the whole way up he's going to play his way for two years and get the hell out of there yeah you know and it's sort of similar and I'm not saying that's happening with everybody but there is that mystique around people from beyond where you're from definitely was Keen you were in Navan yesterday so like I mean I called this last Thursday I didn't call I called the result I said if there's going to be a shock it'll be that one in, in all of the games and it almost was like other than a fluky goal which was an attempted point which was kind of against the wind and curled back where the hell was the goalie going we see this happening all the time why go out there and contest that like I mean there. I uh, look at no to be honest look me didn't deserve to win the game awfully should have won the game they dominated the game for much longer periods they missed they missed a good few chances look awfully awfully blew it awfully had the game in their hands and they just couldn't get over the line they kicked too many wides from reasonably decent scoring positions and their goalkeeper made what is a I suppose when you lose a game like that it's a catastrophic error yeah I mean Brian McMahon is the player who contested with him Brian McMahon is is he five foot seven, he's five not, foot he's eight? Not big, no. And he's light. He's not. He's not. A, he's not a physically imposing player. And and the ball drops in, and he knocks it away from the keeper, and then pats it into net. Like it's just you couldn't script it. Like I mean, how often do we see that though? I, I I mean, why are goalkeepers coming out? Because what's the risk and what's the reward? So the reward is you come out and fist that away, maybe, or you come out and catch it. But Look, what's the I, what's I, the risk? You're leaving a palm into an empty net. There's no. You're like your any fullback where his salt should be able to sort that. But, but on this particular incident, I cannot understand for the life of me how the keeper did not win the ball or not get clear. <laughs> yeah. There's no logic to it. Brian McMahon was standing underneath the ball. He's the keeper small. was coming with momentum. Yeah. The keeper is probably six or eight inches taller than him. He's probably three stone heavier than him. How does he not win the ball? No, it's just unbelievable. He just misses it in the air. Um, and again, like Mead, Mead were blessed. It was a, a nice bit of play for me to get into the position for James Conlon. And I mean, he's looking to kick the equalising score. And really, it's it's a it's a bad bad miss. Yeah. And me just poxed it like it was yeah. a, it was a real Liverpool type of thing based on the season they had. Just pure fluke that somehow gets them over the line, and then they go on again. So, and after the goal went in, despite the fact that there was five minutes of injury time, and this the goal was scored maybe with eight eight minutes to go, I think, awfully just completely gave in at that point in time. They they seemed to totally just give up, and if they had kept playing. They still could have won the game. Even it's, after the goal. Even after that, because they still had enough attacks to get enough scores to win the match. They played a few sort of aimless balls in, but they weren't even uh, hotly contested inside, you know. So it was just one of these where the the goal went in and awfully were probably after putting huge energy into the game. We're very tired at that point in time. Yeah. 
and that just knocked the wind out of their sails. But they still got back into it and, co- and could have snuck the game even even by clipping points at the end. Because o- Offaly are decent though. Like we said they were in a fake position in the league because they threw away so many points. So they were better than the position they had in the league. Mahan has them playing a nice brand of football, right? So they're a, a foot, footballing team. Like A, a mean, lot of really good kick passing. Yeah. They, they spread the game really well. Their wing forwards hugged, hugged the sidelines. Their half-backs were good. Their cornerbacks were, were moving forward on the attack when the, when the occasion was there. So they, they went after the game. They left three full forwards forwards in the full forward line that you know for the entire game almost um and they dominated where they were really good which um which was where Mead couldn't get a grip on it was awfully one I'd say every single one of their own kickouts so Mead could never get a foothold in the game because anytime they'd go up and get a score Offaly would win their own kick out they'd retain possession and they were they were all good on the ball they'd kept it nice and wide and they were able to work the ball up the field so Mead were always sort of chasing the game so like Andy McEntee made some you know a fair comment after the game when he said that it was the type of game over the last number of years that Mead have been losing and they've had a lot of games like that during the league you know you often ask me why am I not raving about <laughs> Mead for good reason because they're somehow finding a way to win these games sometimes they're the, they're the dominant team and they don't blow a team away. Other times, they're under an awful lot of pressure. The game looks lost. And they somehow find a way to win. Now, sometimes it's because the opposition hasn't been good enough to just beat them. But nonetheless, they've still won a game that, you know, they lost a game last year against Longford where they were more in it, you know. Whereas yeah. yesterday, they really didn't deserve to win the game. And they somehow got over the line. And I don't know what they're doing that's so good. They're maintaining, I suppose, uh, a sense of calmness and belief Um you know, to to, st- to to somehow see the game out. And yeah. in fairness, they worked some reasonable scores near the end, but... Um, there was a strong wind in it, wasn't there? Offaly hit seven in yeah, a row a reason- in the second a half. a reasonably strong wind, which um, which Mead kind of... Mead had a bit of a scoring burst just before half-time where they got three points, and that, that seemed to put them in a fairly commanding half-time position, nine points to six. And you were thinking, you know, the impression I would have is that this was a game Mead should be winning by double digits. So I was kind of thinking, oh, look, Mead will have this. With with 10 or 15 minutes to go, this game will be over because Mead will Mead will grind them down. They'll get a few more scores. Then Offaly will have to commit more players to the attack and Mead will hit them on the counter and maybe get a goal or two and they probably win by 12 points. That was the impression I would have had at half-time. But Offaly came out and I think they scored seven points in a row. Yeah. Um, now some of that was, um, you know, some poor play from Mead. Well, actually, the majority they like of it good, was good, good score, flowing scores, right? And just on the highlights, they got some brilliant scores around the middle of the field. Peter Cunningham, I think, got two from play, and Owen Carroll, I think, got two from play as well. Now Owen Carroll had a brilliant game. They were just kind of dominant. The one thing about it is, as an underdog, they came in, they just played with a bit more aggression than Mead. Mead, it was as if they were maybe looking beyond the game or something even just subconsciously that they just weren't they weren't really at the pitch for the battle of it yeah and, yeah. and they never got to that level of intensity the, at- the atmosphere at the game it was kind of quiet and subdued there was a better atmosphere at a lot of the league games so it was a funny one the team probably fed off that a little bit but then again they didn't get the crowd into it enough either yeah. it was only near the end of the game when Mead were behind and 
the crowd were starting to get a bit frustrated and thinking things were, weren't going to go their way. Because um, there'd be a little bit of needle with Offaly and Mead, right? Now, there was a little bit around 97, 98 and that time. Yeah, like, there was prob- prob- like probably before some of these lads were born. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it was Mead had needle with everyone back yeah, then. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> everyone, everyone seemed to have a problem with us, Wally. I don't know what it was. <laughs> Andy McIntyre said after the game, our ball retention was poor, our option taking was poor and then we went through a phase where Offaly got some really good scores. I think we made it easy for them on a number of occasions. It was frustrating for the players as much as anything else. I think they expected higher things of themselves and they were frustrated. So he's kind of maybe shifting the, the blame a little bit over on the players. John Mahan said he was looking at the Mead bench and he sensed panic and they were emptying their bench really early and he thought he had them. He said we had them rattled completely and he actually referenced the Mead, the Mead bench yeah. that he had them well, rattled. Like, Mead did bring on subs early in the second half but most of the subs that came on made a difference to the team and they, they just injected a bit of something. I mean even a couple of the subs that came on, Sean Tobin and James Conlon, um, they just got stuck. You know, if they won a free or if they got a turnover, they, you know, maybe give an awfully player a bit of a shove or a bit of a shoulder, let a bit of a roar into his face and get on with. So they were playing with a bit more fire. There was one incident along the sideline in the second half where the ball went over the sideline and it was an awfully sideline ball. Two awfully guys went over and they just threw them threw the mead man onto the ground and took the ball off him. Now the referee ended up throwing up the ball, but that'll give you an example of setting the tone, setting the tone for yeah. the thing. And mead, they didn't they didn't take a backward step. But they weren't they weren't driving the the sort of the levels that you'd expect. They weren't the ones imposing their will on Offaly. Offaly were the ones that were that were doing that to Mead. And this Mead team, unless they're doing that, they're really not you know, they're not good enough, they're not talented enough to be able to just play a certain way. They have to be foot to the floor, really aggressive and taking that forward step and chasing the game. When they don't chase the game down they're a very, very ordinary team. Yeah, it's a weird one where the winners were probably more deflated than the losers coming out. Of in ma- in many respects, yeah. And, and Mead have a, like Mead really need to get it together because that performance w- wouldn't beat Carlo, I would say. You know, based on Carlo's form, Carlo have had a nice long run into this, to the game in two weeks' time. They'll be very, they'll be ready for it, you know. No management team. Yeah, that's one thing that might affect <laughs> them. No midfielders, so they might be under but, a bit of pressure. But the thing I about it is, when, still you, when you can focus on a game and a one-off match, Players can elevate themselves beyond their sort of their average level. Yeah, but like where's that game? That it's in Tullamore. It's in Tullamore, right? Okay. We'll see. Leitrim obviously came. The Leitrim rising came to an abrupt end. Uh, Conan. So this this is the feel good story of the league. Acquitted themselves well in the league final. Then obviously the provincials draw them away from home against the Division 1 team this year <laughs> so like I mean when you look at it and 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 you can say Leitrim were completely naive. They played no sweeper. Now. Most of the teams that did well against the Division 2, 3 teams, most of the Division 4 teams all acquitted themselves well. But, like, I mean, Division 4 teams are allowed to go defensive against the, the stronger teams. Like, Leitrim, to think they can go away to a Division 1 team, play no sweeper, stay wide open and beat them in a shootout, that's naivety of the highest order now. Yeah, like... And sometimes it's not even about a Division Four team. Sometimes it it is just a bit of sense. Like there were some of the scores that Cox got for us, Common, and it did look like he just had the freedom of the forty-five. Oh, yeah. Even their goals, like I mean, they're just walls and true. Yeah, I was thinking, is it just me because I'm from Ulster, or is this just stupid? Like just get somebody standing in front of them, like you know, and unless they thought because Ryan O'Rourke had a good game for them, unless they thought they could beat them in a shootout. I don't know but That's the, the thing I went Well you see Look Goals change games I mean Leitrim had a goal chance You know Straight after the throw in Which could have put them ahead And then Ross Common Ran in two goals That were fairly 
soft in that. Yeah. Like now, apparently, Ross Common had a load of goal chances. Yeah, I know, like but, but, but only the ones that go in count. <laughs> so, uh, like, it, but the Leitrim one counted, right? That they missed. <laughs> Don't try to bullshit me here, Ward. <laughs> no, look, at, they, they had bodies back when when Ross Common got their first two goals. Like, so it, it wasn't as if they were totally exposed. I can understand it later in the game on the highlights when you see that they're chasing the match and they're already six or seven points behind. You know, they're, they're going to be committing more bodies. So, yeah. look, you, they can count themselves maybe a little bit unlucky at the start of the game that they that they weren't able to stay in the game long enough. Like the game was probably over. You know, when it's when it's two four to two points, the game was kind of over after about ten yeah. or fifteen minutes, and see that's might, that's might, always yeah. very demoralising for for the underdog. See, my my point of this is like Leitrim they played their midfielder Shane Moran um, at full forward and pumped in ball to him, and we know their tactics this year. They have a style of play. It's lovely to watch. It's good direct ball in. It's running off that. Then my point is is that. Leitrim should never really be playing Roscommon because why should they have to change that nice style for a deplorable, well, a much more defensive style just to compete with them? They can't compete with them. Therefore, they shouldn't be playing them. That's, that's the point of it. Somebody actually said to me um, recently, said that when they talk about a two-tier system in football, there should be two tiers. Yeah, eight teams and the other 24 because the yeah. other 24, there is less between the other 24 than there is between the the division one and the rest. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And that that's probably based on based on the games. Derry did really well against Tyrone. Now that's a that's not backing up my point. That's a division one team. That was an anomaly, Wally. Don't Limerick, worry about it. Limerick did very well against Tip, uh, division four versus division two. Wicklow against Kildare, division four versus division two. Waterford against Clare, four versus two. And Wexford against Loud, that was four versus three. Do you know what I mean? And they all acquitted themselves pretty well. So like. I don't know. Like you couldn't, re- you couldn't split it eight and twenty-four. It would be just weird. But just I can see the point they're making. There is the huge step up to the to the really good teams. Yeah, there definitely is. I mean, there's. Look, you've you've made the point well. There's there's a lot of teams at a at a fairly similar level that on a given day, you know, in championship football, one team could beat another, and that's where. Unfortunately, the the backdoor system and the super eights. I mean, it, it takes away that sort of uh, that shock element to it because even for even as an example, if 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 somebody in Leinster shocked Dublin in a given day in the Leinster semi final, it wouldn't matter. Dublin still get to the super eights. So the the chances for an underdog team to to get a good run and to and to win a provincial or to or to win an All Ireland is that that day is long long gone, um, and it's purely because. The knockout nature of it is has been completely diluted, and that's a shame, really, because wh- when you did have the opportunity for an you know for a straight knockout and an underdog could win a game and then progress, and you know a really strong team doesn't have the opportunity to get back into it. I mean, that was why we had shocks over the years. That day is long, long gone, and it's why the championship needs a full overhaul. Yeah, because it's it's sort of. Look, a lot of these games. I mean, even the the, the matches that we'll be talking about and analysing. You're kind of saying, "I oh, was great. It was a competitive game between two teams, and one team moved on." But look, none of these teams are going to do anything. Like we won't be talking about them in a month's time, yeah, or two That's months' time. Isn't that the same though in most competitions? Like most of them aren't going to win it. Realistically. Yeah, but tw- twenty years ago, seven teams could win. Five or six teams could win Leinster. Five or six teams could win Ulster. Munster was pretty boring, and Connacht used to revolve around Roscommon. But, but the thing—that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. What we from what we've fallen down to now. So we're now we're talking Kerry. We're talking Dublin. Two. But, but and then we're talking those three, and then ter- or the Ulster is three teams. If, if you take an example, even of the Derry Tyrone game, I mean, even if Derry had beaten Tyrone, I mean, Tyrone would have still found their way back into the system later on. 
whereas in, in years gone by, that Ulster preliminary round game could could contain the two best teams in the country. And it was a huge, huge game where everything was on the line. Yeah, And that, to me, just makes it it just takes it to a different level so we need to find some way where we get back to a straight knockout cup competition the whole thing needs like we talk about this all the time but the whole thing needs to be restructured if we're talking about the the best teams playing each other regularly which we want to see but that's a league play that you know later in the year whatever but we need to have a a knockout competition where it's do or die a a proper knockout competition none of this backdoor rubbish Mm. because waste time have your league as your main competition or whatever or as a competition where you get all these games but then come to a knockout competition whereby you know there is a genuine chance of an upset the one that's jumping out to me like is Monaghan beating Armagh was it a 2004 or 2003 and they're out or no well they actually got back in the qualifiers but if they were out then like if Tyrone went a point down with 8 minutes to go with the chance of being out yeah Tyrone might not have come back at that. Like you know what I mean? There is that safety blanket. I do take that, and it does take definitely takes away from the. And it leave us more time for club football as well if they just ran the bloody yeah. thing off. Draws mean nothing now as well, don't they? Like when you get a, a draw in October to see who you're playing, it doesn't. Like Derry got Tyrone, and you're like, right, we might get run the qualifiers. You're not even <laughs> thinking about the Tyrone game. Yeah, you know? yeah, no, it's a, it, it's a pity. So like I was saying, the other Division Four teams did well. Wexford did very well against Loud for a long part of the game until they were um, kind of ran out of steam towards the end. Wicklow almost shot Kildare. And and um, Waterford almost beat Clare. And both of these games followed this same kind of pattern. Clare were seven one up. They failed to score after the thirty ninth minute. Um, it finished nine eight. Uh, Kildare led twelve five, and it finished fifteen to one ten because they're in their comfort zone. They're going through the motions. They have the game won, and then bang! Suddenly a comeback is on, and you're not in the, you're not in the frame of mind to stop this comeback. And uh, John Evans said after the game that if they if they got the goal a little bit earlier in the second half, they'd have won that game, which would have been an incredible uh, shock. Yeah, well, sometimes you can be involved in games and they're a bit like they're a bit funny. You, you kind of know you should be winning the game, and it can be very easy sometimes early in a match, uh, depending on the opposition. Just randomly, that scores can become very easy. It can be really loose, and all of a sudden, you just the whole team just gets totally relaxed, and then players start taking the wrong options and all of a sudden there's a massive momentum swing and you just can't arrest yeah. the slide. Because number one this is the thing, so you have to get your head around being really strong favourites. So Kildare and Clare are 1-25 to something crazy like that. So immediately you want to get your mentality right, get your focus right, hit this game hard, show them respect, all those things. So then you do all those things. So you're on the ball and then you're on the field going, we did it. 12-5 up yeah. now, here we're coasting now and during the game it's very easy to switch off that that level of intensity because the game is won at 12-5 at a 21-25 shot the next minute a point 12-6 goal 12-1-9 now there's three in it and the crowd's going mad and you're like Jesus <laughs> I've just been daydreaming yeah. like this happens players are human beings and it's like I can't believe we're in a game here you're almost like you feel it's unfair yeah. or something and you just can't snap out of that kind of you know, lethargic attitude that you had where you might be trying one off the outside of your boot where you wouldn't usually. You know, that kind of a way. Like, you know, you're you're into it. I wouldn't call it even showboating, but it's trying, it's maybe doing things you would do in training and not a championship game. That, that's actually the key for, like, the favourites. That's what Dublin do so well is that every half chance for a goal, you're just clipping it over, clipping it over, and you're always just getting a point on the board. And that's why Dublin demoralise so many teams and why, like, you never have a real sniff to get back into it. Because every time they go up the pitch, they're just keeping the... 
keeping the scoreboard going is sometimes boring, but they're doing it and it's effective. Yeah, no, exactly. But Clare don't have the same menace about them at all. Without, Like you take Paul Cribb and Daniel Flynn. Now, they're two All-Star nominations last year and they're number 11 and number 14. That's what everything goes through. Cribbin's an outstanding scores from play. Flynn, everything goes through him. He's out one out showing and they work off him then. They're both gone. Fergal Conway was moved out of the forwards, who's their best working half forward into midfield. And you had, uh, didn't even have Niall Kelly there as well. Like, I mean, you, there's no county can do without no, those. Like, it's a wishy-washy. an awful lot of talent It's there. a wishy-washy forward line there now when you look through it. Do you know what I mean? It's not at the level of a forward line that's going to be... Like, it's very sp- much unproven. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, very much unproven. Like I think Ben McCormick, I think is an excellent forward, but he's again been in and out of the team with injury and different things, and he hasn't had a championship campaign. Uh, you know, I've seen him play well against Meath on a number of occasions. Yeah, league. as a corner forward. Yeah, and he's 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 a he's a very good f- scoring forward. Um, but again, he's untested really at, at, in the heat of championship intercounty football. So you can't, you know, Kildare are trying to rely on players that haven't. You know, unproven caliber, we'll say, and they don't have the experienced players around them at the minute with the with the injuries and different things. So, so they've definitely been significantly weakened. Um, but you would expect them to improve. And obviously, if if Niall Kelly comes back into the team, he'll add something to them as Kelly well. Kelly come back. Fergal Mulek came on as a sub. I think he was has been out injured. He's been struggling with injuries. So Fergal Con will go back into that forward line with Kelly. They're just down Cribben and Daniel Flynn at that stage which well, are still to well Cribben as well like he's yeah. a sensational year last year from play, yeah, scoring well, points from play those guys are able to cause problems for the top teams defensively look Clare really are going nowhere this year they're not they're, no, like they're, they're no. On, on the base of current form state of their squad all those sorts of things they're not going to make the Super 8 if they get if they get anybody decent in the in the qualifiers because you know Dublin are going to beat them I'd um, agree yeah. I'd agree in the semi-final um, quickly you're a free taker Keen. did you ever come across somebody being taken kicking a free and then being subbed off and free being taken again. That was a weird one, wasn't it? Did you see that? Like, yeah, you know, I could hear his name. There was an announcement being yeah. made as he kicked it, unless he was like, no way, I'm kicking this before I'm walking off. But <laughs> no, I haven't, I haven't seen Adam like Terrell. that. Um, I, think th- I think it happened one time in a, was it a minor All-Ireland final or something? A substitute came on well, and that he was, was taken the free. That was a semi-final with us and Donegal. Yeah. yeah, they brought on a sub cold just to take a free over it, the left-hand right side and he missed it, yeah. yeah. McLean. Yeah. Well, I, I always thought leash, it would be... The headline on the paper, Leash Gain from McLean's Pain. I remember it. <laughs> sure, listen, you're only a young fella. It was a McLean. It, it rhymed with pain. <laughs> well, I tell you, Willie, I, I, would have always, I would have always advocated now if, if there could be special teams. And I'd be happy enough to just come on every now and again and kick the freeze <laughs> like and a, back off Like again. American football. Yeah. Just get on and no, get off. Look, it is very difficult um, to just come into it and have something uh, like that to get straight up. But sometimes it can be a nice thing. Now, it was a particularly difficult one for the for it was a decent way out yeah. for Flynn coming on, you know, you'd be happy enough to come on and tap a four one straight in front of the goals over the bar and get you going. But um, yeah, no, quite an interesting one. I had I had it before in a, I think a Leinster semi final against Kildare where I took a shot and the referee blew the half time whistle up as the ball was in the air. Are you serious? Yeah, and there was a, quite a famous one years ago where How Bur- did he Bernard explain Flynn. that? Uh, did you, I'm sure you went over and politely asked him why he did that. I, 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 tried, to, <laughs> I tried to ask him politely, but Emmett Bolton had me around the throat at the time, so <laughs> I, I wasn't able to push my way past. Um, 
But uh, there was a very famous one, I think, in 91 when Mead played Wicklow. It, it was after the, the saga of four in a row against Dublin and Bernard Flynn kicked a shot near the end of the game that would have won the match for Mead. And I think, again, the referee blew the whistle as the ball was in the air. Yeah, I've so seen that. Kind of, I've seen that. I've never a free. There's no, no excuse for a free. It's quite whatever. rare. It's yeah, quite rare. It's very rare, yeah. And the referee has to be brought out in the boot of a car or whatever like that. Um, <laughs> right. OK, we'll be back and we'll talk about Tyrone and Derry. So Conan, you must be a proud dairy man today considering all the years of hardship you've had to endure to down to Division 4, a point up with seven minutes to go. Like I would love to have seen your little face when that... Uh, Chris Brad- Christopher Bradley point yeah. went over we'll make a DVD of being a point <laughs> over seven minutes to go um, yeah like you should have seen my face I was I couldn't believe it I was like oh my god is this is this happening and then of course 15 seconds later we were two points down so it didn't last very long but a good a good display a good spirit display more than I expected and certainly more than what I heard the people around the county were expecting so I think people were a bit sort of pumped after it thinking you yeah. could go on a run here now if you keep everybody together well they went very defensive against Tyrone like I mean and that's understandable again it's Division 4 versus Division 1 so they weren't going to let um, Tyrone get anything easy um, they didn't give them up too many turnovers there was no huge counter-attacking moves which killed Derry the last mm, few times yeah. I saw them so tactically they were a little bit smarter and Tyrone often struggled I heard them saying last night about uh, defensive systems Tyrone always struggled to break down defensive most teams struggle to break down defensive systems like that anyways Tyrone especially Tyrone blow teams like Cork and Roscommon away that just are stupid and give them turnovers in the 45 but all down through the years Tyrone don't necessarily do very well against teams that don't give them you know the turnovers that they want so tactically Derry like for me got it spot on yeah, well, they fairly predictable from Derry because they, you know, they're the underdog going in. The they have the players to play that way as well. I mean, nearly nearly every time I played against a team from Derry, that's the way they played. They played very defensively, always had at least one sweeper, and tried to rely, you know, relied upon having you know a marquee forward or two up front that they could that they could uh, break and get scores with. And again, I suppose they're probably doing something quite similar at the minute with with McGuigan being the one that's isolated up front more often than not. Yeah. Now, I know Ryan Bell is obviously a good forward as well. And Derry do have talented players that are able to kick scores from distance and, and win their own ball as well. They have a good bit of size to them. Um, probably a confidence, but strangely enough, like it'll be now a massive confidence builder for yeah. Derry. They were deplorable now, you have to say, for the first 20 minutes. They were terrible. They only just played their way back into it. I think their system was highlighted best. There was one shot on camera. Obviously, you're not at the game, but it was a kick out and McAtamney, the midfielder, have I pronounced that right? McAtamney. McAtamney, yeah. midfielder, caught it and he got the mark and he turned around and he tried to drill one low into the, or a long ball into the forwards. And so you got the camera angle and 
uh, McGuigan was behind his man but he was the only one down there and that was from a kick out where you would think maybe that Derry might, might have got their shape, shape a little yeah. bit yeah. back but so this was clearly Derry leaving pretty much McGuigan up on his own until maybe later on when uh, when they might have brought yeah. on Christopher Bradley or somebody like that Yeah and they, and they were very frustrating sometimes on the ball like I, I get when you're trying to keep possession and you're tr- keeping it out of the tackle and you're trying to slow the play down against Tyrone but there's only so many times you can sort of come on the loop do you know when a player comes off the flank and it comes on the loop and then somebody else is coming from the inside coming on the loop then there's no point in doing it you're going nowhere you're actually staying in the same position but, and on that, it, is that very much that's very much the way Slock Neal have played any time I've seen them is very much possession based game ball through the hand loads players running back towards their own goal carrying the ball you know, eventually trying to work the opening is is the contingent of Slot Neil boys are they sort of dict- is that the style they're trying to copy? On, there was six of them on it, wasn't yeah, there? Yeah, um, there was supposed to be seven, but they made a late change. But there's six. Yeah, I'd say you're probably right. I'd say the, the smartness of it was certainly the Slot Neil, like you mm. know, keeping it away from the tackle and and the contact. But I think what Slot Neil do best, and it's what Derry did better in the second half, is they, they, they test boys. You see, like you know, who's got a soft shoulder and will go at him. Like Porry Cassidy did the, the, the best throughout the whole game. He was very good, taking men yeah. on. Like, ah, he's an all-action mid- midfielder. I like yeah. the, I like the look of him. And like I mean, some of their best play was Endelin. In the first half, the only two good balls that were given into McGuigan was Endelin. Mm-hmm. Like and two or one was to Bell, maybe the other was to McGuigan. Two points came off it. Just like these weren't anything special. They were just off the inside of the boot, giving it on yeah. the forward side. And he seemed to be prepared when it got far enough that he was willing to give it in. And that was the interesting thing because Tyrone did seem they, they were open at the back. He saw the, the first goal chance. Like there was space behind. Like Tyrone seemed to be pressing around the middle third trying to yeah. suffocate. We know area. that's what they do now. Yeah. yeah. But there was space in behind and Keir McFall got a really good score as well. I think it was Linda played the ball to him too. And McFall oh, it was got McFall, it not Bell. Yeah, it was yeah. McFall's point. So there was space. Rocks obviously should have just popped that one across after the first minute to take a goal chance. That was... Like that that's like that that's criminal. Like that's the sort of drill you'll do in training over and over and over again and just pop it across and the man'll pam it in and the managers will you know, have a wet yeah. dream about that sort of goal, but he just took it on himself. So that was just a bit of naivety yeah. in his part. But Chrissy McCaig did the sweeper job. Um did fine. Carol McCaig, man mark Peter Hart, who wasn't in the game at all. Again, I'd be critical of Peter Hart a lot. Um, Niall Sludden wasn't in the game they dropped way too deep for Tyrone like, this wasn't the new Tyrone that, like, this was a very conservative Tyrone let's be honest about it it wasn't a Tyrone that we were hoping to see it was McShane being left up on his own Matthew uh, Maddie Donnelly half-heartedly going to him but dropping back too deep as well not always being especially against the win Maddie Donnelly didn't spend much time up beside him and what most disappointing for me was Sludden and Hart they weren't anywhere near up close enough to, to and only for McShane's brilliance that it's able to get scores out of nothing Tyrone didn't have much really didn't they not they didn't well, and, and listen just be honest if you're picking Frank Burns and Hugh Pat McGeary in your forward line that's a fair old statement of intent from Tyrone as regards how they're preparing yeah. for the game Yeah well look at we know it is difficult when you come up against a team that plays in that sort of defensive block that Derry played in so Tyrone I suppose weren't more often than not maybe they, they tried a few early on but they weren't going to continue to try and kick ball in if they felt it wasn't on now McShane in fairness to him made things happen I, I would still be an advocate of having at least two bodies in there because if you have a physical player like McShane and it's where Tyrone have been lacking in recent years you can still play the ball into him like he had he had Rogers really kind of beaten up a stick yeah. he, he had him every way now the ball they give to him is outstanding yeah look at times it's fantastic but he if, if Tyrone had just one more player that held their shape a bit more like Donnelly or Hart I think it's sometimes they, they see this massive 
mass of defenders in there and they either get demoralised or they lose patience because they they can't get their hands on the ball. Like Peter Hart and Donnelly are players that in games they probably handle a huge amount of ball in a match. Like They're not really a natural inside forward who might touch the ball five times in a game and finish with 1-3. Oh, no, that's not, that, that's not no. the type of player that they are. So sometimes when you play against a, a team like that, you need to just have that second body up there because, number one, it forces an extra, you know, a, a defender to actually have a job to do as opposed to just covering his own, which they can do at their ease. And it means that if a ball does go in and McShane can't snap it up first time, or if he wins it and a second defender comes, he has somebody that he can play it off. Yeah. To. Now, is McShane's brilliance against a better like uh, Rogers isn't usually beating up a stick like that. But McShane didn't win a ball really and lay it off to anybody. No. That's the disappointing thing. He, His own brilliance got him scores, and you can't count on that all the time. No, not all the time. And, and that's that's kind of the point I'm making. Just have somebody that he could link with. Now, look, Tyrone were playing against a team that you would say are. Un- Based on league positions, all that sort of stuff, and, and previous campaigns are far, you know, are far below them in Derry in terms of calibre. So, Tyrone didn't play to the same level of intensity that you would expect them to play to when they're playing in in, in a big game. They were probably slightly off it, um, and I know you'll probably touch on it now. But the Colin Cavanagh thing, him back into the team, I don't know if that suits the way they're trying to play as well, no. Tyrone, because they're kind of caught between going man-to-man and aggressively pressing the opposition or dropping off into that defensive shell. And there were times where they didn't do one or the other. And that's where Derry were able to, by holding on to possession, it was like the whole, you know, very well documented in the last week, you know, with spot the dope, you know, from the Liverpool-Barcelona game of taking things quickly. But it works in Gaelic football if you just hold on to possession. Somebody eventually switches off. And, and a man can become free because there's all it takes if you're going man to man all it takes is one man to not follow a runner yeah. and the whole thing can open up but this is the thing now sorry to cut you off but Paul Flynn was in here last Wednesday I don't know if you heard it or not because I was very interested in asking him because you know our theories on why are these marquee forwards running off after their men so he went we can't afford to leave a spare man and create that overlap it'll pull our sweeper out of his out of his position because he'll have to come out and tactically we're not prepared to give that extra man out around the midfield grand so now I, like I understand why they're doing it personally I would say that's what your sweeper's for and that's he can come out and fight that fire and you'll still keep your marquee forward fresh right so that's grand but this is what I don't understand if that's so important and all the counties are doing it Tyrone Colm Kavanagh is still dropping off his man and leaving a spare man out around midfield. Now, that's fine if the other team is playing a full-time sweeper. So Cavan will be a full-time sweeper and the other team will be conservative and they'll have their spare man back there. But that's not what teams are doing now, especially Monaghan against Tyrone. Monaghan won't play with a full-time sweeper because in their eyes, they'll be like, we'll get somebody back when we lose it and they can filter back in there. But when we're attacking, we're all attacking. So on, on that, with Cavanagh's role there's a spare man out for overlaps. And when Kavanaugh was on the field, Derry got through easier. They have an extra man. You're like you're playing with 14. I've said it last year. And it was obvious yesterday. And I think, I think Mickey Hart took Kavanaugh off yesterday. He, was having, he wasn't playing well. He was rushing out and fouling people out of, his, out of his role. That role is massively outdated. Dublin only free up Keane O'Sullivan if the other team is playing a sweeper. That's the only time Keane O'Sullivan will get free if the other team is playing a sweeper. That's where the whole thing came from. So instead of Dublin pushing up on that other sweeper, they said to Keane, you stay back and you cover the defence. But if there's no sweeper on the far side, Keane O'Sullivan will be manning up on whoever's free. Because you can't afford to leave that spare man. But Tyrone are choosing 
to give the opposition a spare man because Kavanaugh is doing that. They need to tell him to stop. It's ruining this game plan and it's more highlighted now because they actually are trying to pair off one by one. Yeah, that's actually really interesting because Hamsey was in the Kavanaugh role before Kavanaugh came on and Hamsey was destroying Derry in attack. Like he was coming late and he was running that man and he got a score himself and he was making things happen. And actually in defence, he was putting pressure on out around the middle and Shane McGuigan got less ball than he did than when Colin Kavanaugh was on. Supposedly standing in front of Shane McGuigan as a sweeper and he was putting that bit of pressure on, stopped the ball coming in and it was the same with Derry as well, when Brendan Rodgers for the last 10-15 minutes, I don't know why it happened, of the first half, he went out and marked Matty Donnelly, and it sort of scuppered Cahill McShane a bit, because there was more pressure on the ball that was coming in, and there's just that empathy, there's a reward there if you go out and push, put pressure on the ball that's coming in, but Derry didn't do it enough, Tyrone didn't do it enough, and then Tyrone let Derry come in when they brought Callum Kavanaugh. Yeah. If, if you're a running team like that and then Delin is able to come into it, you're one off the shoulder, then you're the spare man, give and you're going again. And then all of a sudden Kavanaugh rushes out to this person and, fa- and ends up fouling them. Yeah. And it's like, why his, don't you just stop that? Position, the- his starting position is too deep because if you're a midfielder dropping back, he's dropping back in almost to the full back position or close to it. it yeah. It's designed around preventing goals. Most teams, if they're doing that, it's the centre half back. And all the centre half back does is he holds that zone. That's it. So, so he's still engaging the opposition out around the 45 metre line or just inside it as opposed to having to rush forward 20 metres to try and make that tackle and as a forward what I always love to see is a defender sprinting a pace towards me yeah. because you could ne- you'd hold the ball out in one hand and take it back into your arm and he's already gone 10 yards the wrong direction and they showed the analysis last night of McGuigan's goal and said oh Kavanaugh used to be here Kavanaugh was actually two seconds before that after rushing out to it mm. so like I mean Kavanaugh was in like it was like I, I thought the point they were trying to make is Kavanaugh was nowhere to be seen he was there he yeah. had rushed out stupidly so I, do, I don't I think he's all over the shop now I know he was back he's only back from injury but I think he's all over the place and I can't see why any good centre back worth his salt can engage his man and this is old school football this is football back in the 90s 2000s when I was playing that jeez I don't want to call it too old school like a Manow lad but the centre back a good centre back worth his salt will follow his man into midfield and if he's not uh, part of the play he'll also drop back a little bit why is Colin Kavanagh doing that like I mean it doesn't make sense he's leaving his own midfielder free well, so someone else then has to pick up that midfielder then you're leaving a wing back free yeah, but it so always, somebody's free it always gives the opposition an easy out ball and the worst is I always found from playing that the worst thing you could possibly have was your midfielders not really properly marking their man because you could have three or four are all six forwards really really pressing aggressively and high and tackling really well and really pinning the opposition in and then you just get this hand pass over your head and you turn and there'd be a midfielder there picking it up and your midfielder 20 yards behind him and it used to infuriate me drive me mad because you're just saying if you're playing midfield and a midfielder is dropping to get a little handy hand pass off the half back line he cannot be allowed to turn somebody you have to be right tight to him that he's either not an option for the hand pass or that he can't get turned so that you're forcing him back and you're forcing him back to your forwards who can then tackle yeah. him again. It's it's lazy. I, I just consider it lazy play if you're trying to play that aggressive press that somebody but, doesn't do their job. Kavanaugh will get... Don't, to, don't people to, to mislead there because Kavanaugh will get involved in that aggressive press. He'd be out in midfield Absolutely. on his man. And he'd be brilliant now, at it. And he'd be good at that. But the minute that's not in a thrown hand, he's leaving his man and running backwards. Yeah. So that press... Right, so he's like he's given us one chance at this press, 
and we thought Tyrone had changed now so they're pressing all over the field which is great it's which is Mayo does it's what uh, Dublin does so say if that kick out doesn't go to a Tyrone man or they don't turn over it goes to a Derry man that's when he abandons it and just heads back so he's only given us we've one chance at this press no you don't you can press them right up to where to get to you up there and try and win it back so that's where he's given the spare man up yeah. so everyone else is pressing but he's left his man and now they have a spare man so that press they only have one chance at the press so we thought the tactics of Tron are changing that they're pressing all over the field but while he's on the field they can only do that once Right, so their actual new tactics of manning up right around the field is a waste of time because there's a free man spare floating around because he's just turned, he's just left his man, turned his back to the play, and ran back. Yeah. That's okay with their old tactics, but it's not okay with their new tactics. Do you, do you get my point? Yeah, well, look, the game, the game is unbelievably fluid. So players, players are left with loads of these on pitch decisions that they have to make at a given time, and it can't be. Like not every single scenario can be dealt with in pre-match briefings or in training or anything. Like players have to be able to make good decisions, but as a collective, you have to have um, some sort of a cohesion or a philosophy as to how you want to play the game. And you can't, you, you know, there is going to be a mix, of course, at times in a game where you can see what's happening. You maybe have one player with the opposition isolated and you can get two or three bodies you have to press if it's one player on your team and there's two or three lads spare there's no point in him wasting his energy going from one man to no, the next no. man but someone on the team needs to give him a shout someone that can see it or you, you recognise what's happening yourself and just say okay there's no point here I can drop off and I can reset to a different zone but I would say that where Tyrone are slightly getting caught well look it happened the other day it doesn't happen to them every day but it's a, if, if it's a pattern that repeats itself they're not going to get much success and that's where you're 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 pressing high to a cer- to a certain point, and then you leave this massive gap, you know, just just outside the press where nobody's really manned up on somebody, and it's an easy outball for the opposition. It's just a pop pass over your head, and it takes six or eight men out of the game, and that's only done because a number of your players step back into a defensive position as opposed to being tight on their men and not giving the opposition that easy outball. Yeah, no, it's 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 completely. No, you're completely right. I don't know. I think he'll change it. I think bringing him off yesterday—that's a huge. Now he could be injured. I I would prefer if he wasn't injured because then you would say Mickey Hart's tired of this now. You know what I mean? When he wanted to go win the game, he knew that that wasn't going to work. Kyle Coney came on for him. There was clearly a, a reshuffle, and they won one five to a point. Yeah, <laughs> like, well, I mean, like the, th- the thing about it is, Kavanaugh has has generally speaking makes good defensive decisions, and he has missed a lot of football, so you can take it with a pinch of salt on on one game that maybe he just didn't have it in the legs and then he wasn't able to do that press for long enough so and yeah. he went off and maybe he was dropping off because he couldn't couldn't yeah. physically do it but I'm not saying to drop Kevin Kevin is a very smart player I'd say keep Kevin but tell him to stop doing that that you just play you mark your man now we don't need that we don't need that zonal thing from no, you and anymore. there will be a time when he will have the to drop time, back yeah. into that position but it's not too early in the attack like there's times when you can spot the danger and you can like if you're playing you you played there Woolley for a long time as a as a half forward and you're kind of drop, drifting back with the play but if the attack is going down the opposite wing you can sometimes make that make that hard run and get back in front of your full back line for, for where you can cut out a diagonal ball. Yeah. Now that's the time to go back. That's the time where you can leave your man because even if you make that run and the ball doesn't get kicked in that the opposition see you and say oh feck we can't kick it in he's covered that and it gets back out recycled you still have time to push back out. Now it's very it's it's 
demands a huge amount of energy and it's a very difficult thing to do. But nonetheless, that's still how you you engage the you, opposition yeah, but more you'd, effectively. You'd get back out to that Correct, spare man. Yeah. That's what he's not doing. Is it called a seesaw? Like you, you press when it's on that wing, and the other side it goes back, and then when it comes over the other wing, yeah. they push up, and the other side pushes yeah. back, and yeah. covers up. Now, hopefully he'll change. Hopefully he'll change it back because, like I said, it's it's definitely gone outdated. I'll just finish up on this quote from Damien Macarlane. Macarlane is it? I don't think I've ever yeah. even said his name Macarlane. before. Would you believe that? <laughs> <laughs> he said all the patronising before the game was hard to listen. To, so I'm glad we came out and delivered a performance. We're pleased with the performance. Disappointed that it was six in the end. We didn't feel like it was a six-point game. That's the rootless end of it and a gap we have to bridge, I suppose. A little bit of uh, fighting talk. Because I, I always see Damien McCarlane and I'm thinking, what's he all about, that fella? Do you know what I mean? I've never read anything interesting for him. He's just seemed meh. But like at least they come out and at least showed a bit of gumption. Do you know? Oh, I yeah. think like your manager is your leader as well at the same time, and he sets the tone of it. And I didn't see much tone coming out of him before that. Yeah, it's a bit patronising, though, isn't it? Celebrating a six-point loss as well. <laughs> Maybe that's patronising <laughs> as well. Yeah. Okay. Right. We'll leave it there. We'll be back with Paddy Power performance of the weekend. <laughs> Is the little dink fist pass from a crowded area into that D we're talking about where Bernard I've talked to Bernard about Bernard's very patient but this little dink ball you know the one in a crowded area where it's a fist pass the weight is taken over hits the ground and it bounces into a fella's chest and there's consternation then in and around the D and in and around that area watch for this in the semis in the final do you know the one I'm talking about that little fisted ball that's just bound in a, in a crowded area but it gets to the, the yeah, body you, you have said it three times it's in around it. but you're looking at me you're <laughs> looking well, at me with, a crowded area is it? you're <laughs> looking at me with such a confused a confused head in you it's like I was talking about you trying to get a pointing coppers or something there in a crowded area yeah watch for it Paddy Power performance the weekend we have to start with Cahill McShane lads because we've eulogised about this lad during the league but he keeps delivering off right and left um, some of his points were outstanding uh, the first point was a brilliant ball by Richie Donnelly uh, Maddie Donnelly made the run Chris McKay had to come out and engage him he gave it to his brother beautiful diagonal ball point uh, Hamsey gave him a lovely ball over the top Rogers, in fairness didn't know whether he was coming or going he tried to mark him from the front Hamsey got him over the top he tried to mark him from behind or giving him diagonal balls and towards the end remember the point he got at the end which was outside that was just a basic straight down the wing ball but Rogers was all over the place now where he's so disheartened that he wasn't sure whether to go with him or what to do because they had him bamboozled because if you were playing diagonal balls in front that's impossible to mark. If you try to come out the front to cut that off, it's going over your head. Now where do you stand? And what are you saying to Chrissy McCaig about helping him? He, he scored off the left, he scored off the right, he scored a hand pass goal. He's a sensational player. It's turned, like, without him yesterday, it's fair to say Tyrone didn't have much, outside of Michael Cassidy, who'd scored two outstanding points um, from play as well, two off the right, but both from one from either side to it's show a full array yeah. for a wing back of different angles. He's another nomination. But those two, I thought McShane. It's it's crazy how dependent Tyrone are on him now. Yeah, look, he really good. He's a good physical presence, but he's got great mobility as well. His movement um, has improved hugely. Um, but I suppose that just comes from being bedded in there and playing in the position a bit more regularly. Um, but his movement was good. He was drifting in behind Rogers. He'd, he'd dart left, he'd dart right, he'd come out and show in front. So, and Rogers, I suppose, is always aware of the threat for, for a ball being delivered in, we'd call it, say, 50 50, or, you know, a ball in the air, um, which McShane is well fit to compete for. So, Rogers, you know, he's, he's a, as a fullback, you'd be afraid to play too far in front because you know the threat is available over the top. Um, 
so so that means you're maybe playing a little bit more conservative and he's trying to mark him maybe shoulder to shoulder or slightly from behind and McShane then has the pace and strength to hold him off so yeah. and, and he can shoot off both feet which any good forward really should be able to do I had to show it but I didn't think he could because I thought he was kind of a midfielder he winged forward I've never seen Brendan Rodgers get taken to cleaners like that Conan have you four from playing the first half alone and he was all over the place I never like honestly I've never seen I've rarely seen somebody getting the better of Brendan Rodgers for a whole game like, and it is just what you're saying it's just it can come the ball's coming from any angle and any way but also like a McShane's willing to sort of go any way for it he can come out short going behind or get the diagonal as well so yeah. I, I don't know how you even begin to mark that and he didn't go forward much either we didn't see any runs really to, until towards the end from Rodgers which was a way Rodgers always have of kind of putting his fo- the forward on the back foot maybe yeah. it was a bit too much respect for McShane or something I think in the second half yeah, it was important to drive and Derry out he, got, he broke a few tackles and sort of started attacks and I think in fairness McFall and Lynn were so good for Derry that Rodgers once he broke the first First line, he was popping it off to those two who were breaking another tackle. Yeah, with Cassidy, obviously. Yeah, Lynn was very good, and he was very good in the league final as well. What age is Lynn? Because he gets taken off, and he's it doesn't look like me like he's any great size. He's, he's 30, 31 now. Yeah. So why is he getting taken off? Like, I mean, he was the best Derry forward on on. Well, McGuigan was excellent he's too. The same actually in the league final, he league was the best player. He was taken off. Taken yeah. off very early in that yeah. game. So I'm thinking, is is Lynn oh, 31, and the manager's taking you off, thinking you can't finish out the game? Now that's don't get me started on that <laughs> um, yeah Endelin's another one boys I know we didn't see this game but Ian Corbett from Limerick 1-2 from centre back isn't there something now this lad has serious pace and f- fire in his belly like yeah, I mean good size as well a isn't good he? size yeah. of a man yeah. bombing forward there's something I love about seeing a number 6 bombing forward <laughs> I mean, maybe it's a traditionalist in me and thinking of Kevin Moran and all those great uh, kind of centre backs but there's something why can't a centre back just come on you know because your centre forward's dropping into midfield and you're given a spare role most of them choose to use it to cover Ian Corbett ain't doing that well maybe he did a bit of covering but like I mean his goal was top top quality and it's just I'd say Ian Corbett's the type of player we need to see more more. I need to see more from him he does nothing at a walking pace everything is coming on to the ball you know yeah. what I mean at, at at electrifying pace I think that the best sixes should know when to go and when to stay right and that, that's yeah. prob- they've probably become a bit lazy or comfortable over the years like they're supposed to be I always thought six was your most important player I always thought your half back line and your full forward line that's where you won and lost the game and that, that was because the number six knew you went to hold and went to go and dictate play yeah. six was usually your best footballer but now it seems to be your best stopper. Tom Kelly transformed our season in 03 um, from just, Jesus Christ, he was so reckless the way he just took off and he, because he used to play in the forwards, he was incredibly accurate and he was eye-catching, teams didn't know what to do with him, coming onto the ball at pace and it was a huge, huge weapon and he'd started the year with us as a cor- as cornerback right through the league and I think even the first round of the championship then got converted and whatever clicked in his brain he just went, I'm just going <laughs> just going forward here. You, you can't beat it. Like and even in the modern game then as well when you need those players coming off the shoulder maybe around the 45 for a big man like Corbett to be able to break that line you see when Maddie Donnelly can break a tackle then the sweeper has to come out to him. There's all these things because like, if everyone's pairing off um, never mind Tyrone giving you the extra man but if you can break through a tackle at pace now you're bearing down on someone who has to come to you and there's all those you know extra benefits 
um, from that. So yeah, Ian Corbett definitely looks like an exciting player. Um, Owen Carroll impressed you, um, Keen. Was it him got that big, huge one off the outside of the left in yeah. the second half? That yeah. was all, that was Owen. Yeah, he got and he got a great score off his right as well from probably around the similar range around the forty-five as well. So look, he just was a massive physical presence. He won he won a couple of frees as well, driving forward at the mid defence. Um, massive powerhouse presence around the middle. He was getting plenty of good solid tackles in he was driving forward and he used the ball really well and he look he topped it off with two brilliant scores very very impressive performance from him he was the, he was probably the in terms of the overall 70 minutes he was the dominant midfielder in in a game where Brian Menton from Eid scored two from play and both Offaly midfielders scored two from play so I was shared around lads. Shared that's typical around, midfield yeah. isn't it let's all play let's all play Own Cleary um, played very well for um, Clare he's out centre forward he's a lovely wand of a left foot um, they're probably struggling Tuberty's injured and um Caelan Sexton has gone to America so they're down two of their starting forwards which isn't ideal so Cleary's out at centre forward plays most of his football in the corner but he scored six three from play against a very defensive Waterford team so he definitely deserves a mention Shane Caloran um, two goals for Roscommon from midfield now he's played in the forwards a lot so like I mean Roscommon always struggles for midfielders and Compton is in America with New York so maybe this is needs must he's played wing forward and I've seen him pick corner forward as well as trying to find uh, more information on him because his name didn't jump out at me but obviously he's filling a void there's nothing I love more than an attacking midfielder anyways because like we said midfielders don't like to mark each other Sean Cavan is the greatest example I can think Jack O'Shea great like, but Jack O'Shea was a box to box but Sean Cavan wasn't a box to box he was midfield he was to the a, forward he was a seven <laughs> forward, <laughs> he yeah, was yeah. A seven forward. <laughs> and when you like he's marking someone like Darrell O'Shea you know or, who's a traditional midfielder midfielder you're not following him all the time are you like I mean that's the reality I'd always play one fetch a midfielder and a forward beside him with a bit of a wing forward maybe in midfield I think that's the best um, the best dynamic in midfield um, James Calif for Loud scored five from midfield um, two frees three from play one was an absolute screamer in the second half to show that on the Sunday game which was a brilliant score um, fair play to him for that so who do we think we'll give it to Michael Cassidy as well like, remember Cassidy we talked about him in the league where he was given in a couple of bombs into McShane against Galloway when he caught them he has a bit of size about him but didn't realise he could clip points like he did because there's a huge technique difference between bending it over from your traditional good side and then flicking it over on the run from the other side yeah. so like I mean to see a wing back doing that that's top top level uh, point scoring you know what I mean? So this lad looks to be a serious uh, weapon going forward. Yeah, I would have added uh, Richie Donnelly in there as well. Just he was excellent. Big yeah, game. Yeah. And then obviously he had that lovely little flick down for Burns for the for the goal eventually oh, yeah. then like you know so what to sec the, the restart of Derry's goal and he scored two brilliant points in the first half the second yeah. one was a lovely beautifully curled effort and he above anyone else gives beautiful ball to to yeah. McShane he he and that was a disappointing thing he was given most of it Sludden and Peter Hart were the two against Dublin that were given the lovely little diagonal balls and they didn't give any of them yesterday Sludden was taken off early now it's not like Sludden not to be in a game but Maybe it was just the, the amount of bodies Derry had back. It was hard for these lads to get into it. We might give them a pass. Yeah, look, they had quiet games, but they, they usually handle a lot of ball. Look, we'd put it down to an off day for them. An off day in the Derry tactics. Right, Carl McShane is the performance of the weekend. Just nudging out Ian Corbett on the basis that I saw Carl McShane playing. <laughs> and Ian Corbett could have been... Uh, not marking his man for the rest of the game <laughs> other than the three <laughs> scores that I saw so Kyle McShane wins uh, Paddy Power performance the weekend so congratulations to him it's his first uh, 
Um, Paddy Power, lucky pants. I'm sure it won't be the last over the summer the way he's playing. And that's all we've time for today. So we'll be back on Thursday with a preview show as normal. And we'll talk to you then. Good luck. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other. And... Uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas will get such a shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their houses for 10 years. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.